Welcome to today's edition of Draft Utopia. Chris Ransom here. Big news in the NFL. The preseason Hall of Fame game got canceled for the second time in three years. 2018, the Colts-Packers Hall of Fame game got canceled due to overheating issues on the field. This time, the Cowboys-Steelers game, which was supposed to take place in Canton, canceled. The Hall of Fame ceremony also canceled. Those events will be pushed back to 2021, so I'm sure they're going to induct all the 2020 guys in 2021. I don't know how that's going to affect the 2021 class with Peyton Manning in it yet. I don't know if they're going to have to make him wait another year, um, and this year won't count due to the coronavirus. I'm not sure how that's going to work with the Hall of Fame. Manning's definitely going to be a first ballot player in 2021, but... Is he going to get to go on the stage in 2021 after coronavirus clears up? Or are they going to make him wait a year with the 2020 guys having to wait until 2021 to be inducted into Canton? That is going to open up a huge can of worms for the NFL. And I don't think it's a can of worms the NFL wanted to receive. It's like the can of worms where the, where the stuff comes out. I don't know if it's like a stuff or like a, it's like a worm, like a string worm, like a fake worm, and then it's in Goodell's office, like, oh, I don't know what to do with this shit. <laughs> but it's, yeah, so that Peyton Manning Hall of Fame class may get pushed back here. I don't know what the NFL is going to do with that, to be completely honest. NHL Hall of Fame class has been announced. Um, Jerome McGinley, Marion Hossa, and Kevin Lowe are going to be three of the headline players in the 2020 NHL Hall of Fame. Vince Carter announced his retirement from the NBA after 22 seasons with the Toronto Raptors. Some big news there. Um... Also in MLB, the Pittsburgh Pirates signed Nick Gonzalez, their first round pick that they took seventh overall. They got the best player on the board, and the Pirates managed to sign that player. So the Pirates did something right this offseason, and they had a very good draft. So the Pirates being able to sign their first round pick before the Steelers due to the coronavirus has got to be... The Steelers didn't have a first round pick. They traded their pick to the Dolphins for Minka. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that the Pirates were able to sign their first-round pick before the Steelers got any of their rookies signed, great job by the Pirates doing something right for once. I thought this was their best draft since 2011 when they had Garrett Cole and Josh Bell. They hit on four draft picks, in my honest opinion. The Pirates really deserve a lot of credit for that. Hitting on both first-rounders, their second-rounder and their third-rounder. I haven't seen the Pirates do that in years, so they really do deserve a lot of credit. Maybe this new GM, this new front office will get it right. Too early to say. Full tournament schedule is available. So, tournament kicks off Wednesday, July 8th with a Group A doubleheader. Orlando City faces... Inter-Miami CF followed by Chicago Fire FC taking on Nashville SC. Both games will air on ESPN. ESPN will oversee game production for MLS broadcast partners throughout the tournament. 
All 54 matches will be televised nationally on ESPN, ESPN2, Fox, FS1. A total of seven matches will take place at 9 a.m. Eastern, which will air, be broadcast on ESPN and ESPN Deportes. The first morning match will be played on July 9th with New York City FC facing the Philadelphia Union. I will have live coverage of our July 8th show, our July 9th show. That game, immediately following that game, our show will be, I'll break down that game. It's going to be a morning game. Atlanta United versus New York Red Bulls. They meet on Fox at 8 Eastern. Orlando City, Miami, CF, ESPN, 8 Eastern, FS1, FC Cincinnati, Columbus Crew. July 12th, Real Salt Lake faces Colorado, ESPN, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. Tune in and Twitter. I don't know if I get tuned in, but I do get ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, and FX. LAFC places the LA Galaxy on July 18th. So, four straight days of doubleheaders in the round of 16. July 25th to the 28th, doubleheaders. July 30th, August 1st, semifinals. 5th and 6th, and then the final will be 8 Eastern. So they're going to go from 26 to 16 with a lot of games in this knockout round. And that's the tournament schedule. So that'll be fun to watch. I do have some... Um, I'm going to break down the top 5 games top, from Week 5. Top 4 games from Week 5 today. Then I'll go over some round two analysis, and then I'll break down my uh, prospect profile for the NHL draft, the number five player in this draft, Lucas Raymond. And then after that, I'm going to break down SKA St. Petersburg. So, and their goalie, Yaroslav Askarov. So on that note, I am going to open up So I'll probably start coding week six after this podcast today. Um, Buccaneers face the Bears. I broke that game down on Monday. I bought Brady versus that Khalil Mack, that stingy Chicago defense. Another fun week five game is the Pennsylvania matchup between the Eagles and Steelers. The Gus the Groundhog Bowl, if you want to call it that. Facing Carson Wentz and the Eagles versus Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers, both teams have strong offensive lines. Both teams have very good depth at edge rusher. Javon Hargrave left the Steelers to sign with the Eagles. He's playing next to Fletcher Cox. So I think the Eagles are probably going to have an advantage in terms of limiting how much time Ben's going to have. I, But the Steelers don't have to worry about Brandon Brooks. So as long as Tweet and Hayward are healthy, they're going to be able to limit how much time Carson Wentz has as well. And with Watt and Dupree, you can't sleep on that core You've got inside linebackers like Vince Williams and Devin Bush. The Eagles have got three linebackers in the draft, but who knows how many of those guys are going to start. Davian Taylor's probably the only player of those three I'm confident in winning a rookie job. And the Eagles are a little bit deeper at corner, in my opinion. They still have Jalen Mills. They don't have Ronald Darby, but they got um, 
the Lions corner, Darius Slay, and you're going to have Jalen Mills, you're going to have Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas, and yeah, you lost a safety, but you've got you got another really good safety. I forget his name. Rodney McLeod, strong safety. They got a free safety in the draft. I don't remember if it was K. I think it was Kayvon Wallace because the Raiders got Tanner Muse in the third round, and I had Wallace graded higher. So I think it was Wallace, Kayvon Wallace, that the Eagles got. So if he wins the free safety job, this could be a really exciting matchup. And the Steelers have great receivers. They have at least four good receivers. So the Eagles having four good corners to match up par to par with their four receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson to have four good corners matching up against those four good receivers. That makes this a must-watch matchup. Miles Sanders versus James Conner. Penn State versus Pitt running backs at Heinz Field. There is a lot to love with this matchup. And I think James Conner is going to win this game for the Steelers. Raiders and Chiefs. It's the Las Vegas Raiders' first trip to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game, and they're going to win this game quite easily, if I'm being frank, because the Chiefs just have all 22 of their starters back. The Raiders are still a young team, growing, learning. And Mahomes, the weapons Mahomes has with Watkins with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kels, the offensive line with Eric Fischel and Mitchell Schwartz, the offensive tackle. I just think it's too much for the Raiders to handle, and the Chiefs are going to win. Next game features the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this is a fun matchup because the Bengals have A.J. Green back with Tyler Boyd, with John Ross and T. Higgins. So if all those Bengals receivers are healthy and they're going up against these Raven corners, it's really going to be fun to see who wins this matchup. Because if Burrow's going to have, this is probably Burrow's toughest test as a rookie in this first four, five weeks. The Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. I mean, this is a team that has the corners and personnel to match up with the Bengals receivers. And the Bengals don't really have that right tackle. So the Ravens might be able to exploit a weakness or two within this Bengal team. And Lamar Jackson with the weapons he's going to have. Duvernay, James Proche, Miles Boykin, and Marquez Brown with all those weapons. I think the Bengals are simply outnumbered at corner. They have too many receivers along with Mark Andrews. And I just don't think it matches up well for the Bengals. I think the Ravens have the complete advantage in this matchup with um, Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown Jr. being able to limit what Sam Hubbard and Carlos Dunlap to. Lamar Jackson's going to have a clean pocket. He's going to dominate this game. The Mark Ingram-J.K. Dobbins tandem is going to take off in this game as well. Um... The Giants head to Dallas. This will be a fun matchup because I thought the Giants and Cowboys both drafted really well. And to see Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, I think both of them could easily get 100 yards in this game because the Giants got two guards for depth in Matt Part and Shane Lemieux behind their starting guards, Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler. And they added Andrew Thomas at right tackle. The Cowboys do not have a right. They have Alden Smith at right end, and they have Demarcus Lawrence at left end. Lawrence versus Andrew Thomas is going to be a must-see matchup, in my opinion, because for the first time in years, the Giants actually have a good right tackle that can stop Demarcus Lawrence. And I think this matchup, Daniel Jones versus Dak Prescott, it's a big matchup. The Cowboys don't have very good corners, but their corners may be good enough. They got did they did get Trevon Diggs in the draft. They still have Chidobi Wuze. 
They still have the Michigan corner. Um, I forget his name, but they had a Michigan corner. There's a corner from Purdue they drafted. They have talent there, okay? It's not great talent, but it, their talent just may be good enough to match up against these giant receivers like Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Williams. I mean, it's that's going to be a fun Week 5 game. So that's those are a few matchups to look forward to. I'm going to break down the second round of my NHL mock draft. I broke down round three yesterday. I'm going to break down round two right now. Red Wings got William Wallander from Moto Hockey. And this is a guy that's 6'4", 192. He just does everything well on tape. Playmaking, sniping, passing, wrist shot power, wrist shot accuracy, slap shot power, slap shot accuracy, offensive awareness, defensive awareness, hockey IQ, speed skating, stick, agility, stick handling, ability to play on the power play, and ability to kill penalties that you want defenders to have. He's gritty, he hits hard, he gets in your face, showcasing his toughness without being too domineering about it, like a schoolyard bully. He's from Sweden, also has a very calm, level-headed demeanor off the field. Great interviewer. You want your defenseman to have these qualities. Only one of seven A-graded players to play on the blue line as a defender. So there were eight, seven A-grade defenders that made the second round. Wallander was the only one of those seven A-grade players that was a defenseman. So the Red Wings get Wallander for value here. Ottawa 33, Justin Sordif, the Vancouver Giants center. They get him as a player behind Quinton Byfield. The San Jose Sharks at 34, Brennan Brisson. They get the line one center on the Chicago Steel. He was on the uh, Green Bay Gamblers, goes to the Steel, has a very good year, 60 points. 25 goals, 35 assists, 60 points. And plus 16, plus minus ratio. Brisson led Chicago Steel with 60 points. He even surpassed last year's line one center, Sean Farrell. And the Steel led the USHL in regular season points. The Los Angeles Kings, John Luke Foudy, wins or spitfires. He had eight goals, 41 assists, 49 points in 2018-2019. He only had 43 points, but he was an A-grade prospect. And you have a lot of four good center prospects Velarde, Alex Turcotte, Rasmus Kupari, Akil Thomas. You do not really need John Luke Foudy. He's going to finish his career with um, the OHL. William Cool Isle go into the Ducks at 36 37. The Nashville Predators with New Jersey's pick Ty Smolanic, USHL um, 6'1, 170. He can play anywhere at forward. Has a first round grade, but is going to enroll in Quinnipiac. I think he'll fall in the second round because of that. Luke Tuck. Um, Sabres get him as a left winger at 38. Um, Montreal Canadiens at 39. Emile Andre, defenseman, HV71, 5'9", 183. He was the captain of Smallland before working his way up to HV71. The Canadiens at 40. John Jason Patreka, left wing, HC Munchen and Dell. Can play anywhere at forward, 5'11", 192. Left wing, center, right winger, natural forward. I've seen him mocked as high as the first round. Ronnie Hervonen, um, very good player. First player since Landon Collins to share the same birthday with me. Um, first draft prospect. Hervonen had a career 
high three goals, two assists, five points in 2018 in one game. He had five goals, 11 assists, 16 points in 2019-2020. Fast, flashy skater with great speed, explosiveness, and athleticism despite being undersized. Has the passing, wrist shot power, wrist shot accuracy, slap shot power, slap shot accuracy, offensive awareness, vision, and hockey IQ you want a player to have. There's probably some teams that have a first grade on him. He's just as versatile as just Barry Kotkaniemi. can play left wing, center, or right wing on a Sots first line, just like the former third overall pick in the 2018 NHL draft. Arizona is stacked at center, but they go with Hervin in here. William Wallander and Brisson are two guys in the second round that could be first round picks. Add Ronnie Hervin into that list as well. Minnesota Wild at 42. Vasily Ponomorov. They get Jason Zucker's replacement here. The Shaw win, cat, win Cataract is left winger. He's a line one guy. He can play anywhere at forward, whether it's left wing, center, or right wing. 18 goals, 31 assists, and 49 points in his rookie season after being the ninth pick in the Quebec in the CHL import draft. And to get him this late is very good value. Tyler Tulio of the Oshawa Generals goes to the um, Winnipeg Jets here, had 60 points, improved to 66 points in 2019-2020. And you look at Winnipeg, they lose three centers to free agency, so that's why I went this route. Tyler Clevin, defenseman, U.S. National Team Developmental Program, goes to the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. 45, the Ottawa Senators, Emil Vero, defenseman, TPS, 6-0-168. He's a two-way defender on TPS. Samuel Nazco, another good defender on TPS. I did mock him in the second round. 46, Casmer Simon Taival, left wing Tapara. He can play left wing, center, or right wing. Best prospect to come out of Tapara since Patrick Lonning. While he's not a top five pick, he does have an outside shot of going in the late first round. 47, Calgary Flames, Donovan Sobrango. Great work ethic. His work ethic alone may get him on a top line one day, but he's someone who needs time to develop. 48, Ryan O'Rourke, defenseman, Salt St. Marie Greyhounds. This was a guy that Florida can get for the future. And he was a first-round pick of the 2018 OHL priority selection when the Saw St. Marie Greyhounds took him. Samuel Nazco, another defender. He goes to the Kings here at 49. And he was a guy I actually had in the first round of my very first mock draft back in September of last year. 50 National Predators cross Hanas, left winger, Portland Winterhawks. He had 22 points, had 49 points and a plus 20 plus minus ratio on the WHL's best team. 51. The Toronto Maple Leafs, Pavel Novak, he's 5'0", 170, can play left wing or right wing. He was drafted 13th overall in the CHL import draft. Offense awareness, defense awareness, hockey IQ, passing, skating, and stick handling, you want a winger to have. His wrist shot power and wrist shot accuracy is there. He needs to improve his slap shot. And 58 points and a plus 10 plus minus ratio. He's a lot of qualities you want to have. He's got to develop his slap shot, though, to complement his wrist shot. He can't rely on the wrist shot. The Red Wings, Zion Nybeck, HV71. Nybeck finally made the SHL, but he can play left wing or right wing, so I think he's a player you got to look at for the Red Wings. Yan Kutznetsov, defenseman, Connecticut, 6'3", 207. I have him going with the Hurricanes at 53. The Blackhawks at 54. Matthew D. St. Foley, right wing, Chicago Steel. They get this pick. He was a relying one right winger. And while he's 20 years old and some of these other first two-round prospects are 18 or 17 or heading into that 
draft year where they turn 18 prior to either returning the juniors for more time to develop or end up getting them called up to the NHL right away. That remains to be seen with these prospects, but this guy for is the top defense this guy, St. Fall from the Chicago Steel, despite being a little bit older than most of the prospects that are going to be in that age range, most players that are 20 years old that are NHL draft eligible end up falling to the third or fourth round. But this guy was a line one player, so I have the Blackhawks taking the hometown kid at 54. The Kings, Ozzie Weisblatt, the right winger of the Prince Albert Raiders, 15 goals, 24 assists, 39 points, and a plus 30 plus minus ratio. The Flyers, they get the best player on the board since this team is stacked with talent everywhere. At 57, the Detroit Red Wings, Sam Colangelo. He was the line two right winger behind um, Matthew de St. Foul, but he can skate anywhere, versatile enough to play left wing, center, right wing. Second line right winger plays like a power forward, superb vision, skating hockey IQ. Is why most have him going ahead. 28 goals, 30 assists, 58 points, and a plus 32 plus minus ratio with the Chicago Steel. He's expected to accept a scholarship to Northeastern. 58, the San Jose Sharks, Alex Cotton, the Lethbridge Hurricanes defenseman, 6'2, 183, 20 goals, 47 assists, and 67 points, and a plus 15 plus minus ratio. 59, the Ottawa Senators, William Villanueva, a defenseman, St. John Sea Dogs. He got promoted to alternate captain over Jareem Poirier, who's considered a first-round prospect. Villanueva may end up going in the first round with Poirier. There's a lot to like with his game. Boston Bruins at 60. Lucas Cormier, the Charlottetown Islanders defender. He had 36 points in 2018-2019. He matched that total, 6 goals, 30 assists, 36 points. At this time a year ago, I said Cormier would be a mid-round pick, but... Future Considerations has this guy in their top 20 overall. Also, Corey Krug set to become an unrestricted free agent. So, Cormier is the ideal player to groom to succeed Tory Krug if Tory Krug leaves in free agency. 61, the Montreal Canadiens. Olivier Suni, right winger, Oshawa Generals. 6'2", 187, drafted 44th overall in the first round of the 2019 CHL import draft after playing hockey for most of his youth in Finland. This is a player that has... Um, 12 goals, 20 assists, 32 points in 2019-2020. Needs to improve defensively, but also needs more experience as a player in the OHL. And then at 62, the Tampa Bay Lightning, Sean Farrell, center Chicago Steel. The line two center on the Chicago Steel. Um, he had 30 points. This was before I knew about all the prospects the Steel had. And he finished the year with 15 goals, 41 assists, 56 points and a plus 19 plus minus ratio in 44 games. He accepted a scholarship to Harvard. So we're going to get to see Farrell and his teammate Sam Colangelo in future Beanpot tournaments. So a lot to like with this second round. I raved about the third round yesterday. So go back and listen to that. Just finished up raving about the second round. And I'm going to get into our prospect profile series. I'm going to break down Lucas Raymond and then SKA St. Petersburg, the team, the KHL team that I'll be breaking down. And then that, and then once we're at that point, we can start getting into the MLS state of the franchise. But I'm probably going to wait until, yeah, with the MLS coming back on July 8th, I might take a breather from state of the franchise because 
We're going to have college, what the FBS, we're going to have the Battle Fantasy Football Draft, we're going to have MLS coverage of the games, just a lot of good segments. But yes, Lucas Raymond, he's the best player on the board, and after the top four players, the 5'10", 165 Lucas Raymond can play left wing or right wing. Playmaking, sniping, passing, wrist shot, power, wrist shot, accuracy, slap shot, power, slap shot, accuracy, offensive awareness, defensive awareness, hockey IQ, speed skating, agility, and stick handling. He's a playmaker that can do everything a line one player needs to do. Did well in the power play and the penalty kill. He's the line one right winger on the Frolunda Indians. Had four goals, six points, six assists, and ten points in the Elite Syrian League in the SHL. So, and I did post a film... I, um, NHL Prospect Center posted a film cut of Lucas Raymond on YouTube. I added that to our site, so if you read the mock drafts, you can watch the film cut shift by shift and get a better understanding of what Lucas Raymond brings to the table. And for State of the Franchise today, the team I'll be breaking down is SKA St. Petersburg, and the reason I'm breaking this team down is they are they are the mo one of the most consistent KHL teams there's 28 KHL teams in there. After we break down this team, there will be 27 KHL teams. So we can open up next week's show on Monday with the K another KHL prospect. And then probably end the show with just NFL and KHL because I'm thinking Monday will be a quick, very chill show. Um, Patrick Sertain will be the prospect. Um, oh, wait, we got to do um, what the FBS as well So for Monday, but... Let's worry about today right now. Yaroslav Askarov, 6'3", 176, 237 GAA, 921 save percentage in 2018-2019. He started one KHL game at a 2.00 goals against average and a 920 save percentage. And his film cut looks phenomenal. He's going to be the number one goalie picked in this year's NHL draft. And SK St. Petersburg's got to be lucky to have him. So tomorrow I will break down... Um, the Los Angeles Kings on our prospect on our state of the franchise. I'll also break down um, a lot of things as far as the NHL draft lottery is concerned. Um, I'll break down the entire three round NHL mock in its entirety from picks one to um, 93 after I break down the Kings. I'll probably open up with the Kings for state of the franchise and then just talk NHL mock draft for the duration of the show, and then talk about the lottery teams. Because if we talk about those lottery teams after the Kings, just breaking down those lottery teams and what getting Alexis Lafreniere can do for those franchises, I've already broke down Lafreniere in the prospect profile rankings. I have a film cut of Lafreniere up on our YouTube channel, so there is a lot to check out with that. And if I recode week six today, I get that done, and I update the site, I will talk about some of the week six games in the NFL as well. So there's a lot to discuss for tomorrow. My name is Chris Ransom from Draftutopia. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or go to BitChute for full game analysis. Not just film cuts, but full games, play by play. I am signing off and I'll see you to see everybody tomorrow.